praise team was awesome. Okay, well, I want to welcome everybody here that's here, that's here, and thank you for coming again tonight. If you've been here this yesterday and today, this is our second day. So I do want to welcome you all for coming uh, and being challenged uh, to be diligent in seeking the role of God's mission to reach the whole world. That is really ultimately what we're about about this time. And so I want to welcome our guests, starting with the Mammoth team over here with our children. Uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a blessing, really, to have a partnership with, with Mammoth to be able to trade blows with our kids. And thank you for that. Thank you for your bring, you guys bringing your team down. And thank you for what's going on. As they take our kids deep, and if you go out the door, you see a silhouette of a submarine. Kind of partial to that. I was on a submarine in the Navy, and uh, so I know about that. So praise the Lord that they're going deep into the Word. Um, I do want to welcome also uh, uh, missionaries Brian Berry, who was up here playing the guitar. Thank you for being here, Brian. Great messages so far. And uh, our missionary Lee Carter, back over here. Praise the Lord for him being here. Also, we have several pastors that are visiting here tonight, and I just want to kind of mention their names. I may not get them all. I hope I, I, hope I do. I'll try. Uh, See, so we've got Mike Blake, Bo Green from Monmouth. We've got Tony Godfrey from Iola. We've got uh, Jay Bogman from Light, Lighthouse. What's, I can't remember. The, hmm? What is it? Greenville. That's what. Okay. Greenville, Ohio. I can only remember so much at a time. Um, we had Sam Miles here this morning from Midtown. He was one of our speakers. We have Brad McGuire, one of our own, own here. He's a church over in... Uh, Clinton and New Life, and then we have James Fife, uh, who's from Midtown, and Mitch Dobson also. Uh, James is going to be speaking to our, our, our uh, youth today, tonight and tomorrow night, so we're excited about what he's going to say to them. Uh, so if you're a pastor or a missionary, now if I missed your name, just let me know that you're here, because I think I got everybody, but if I miss somebody, just call out, let me know. If not, that's good. Okay, so we really heard some really great messages so far yesterday and this morning. And uh, and they have been really encouraging and challenging as to what God is using our speakers to talk to you. And that's one thing I want to mention about. I, I really enjoy conferences. I don't know, it's different than Sunday morning services. I mean, preaching is the preaching. You think, well, it's, but it's different. Conferences are different because God takes a week because he has a plan to communicate to you. And the only way that that communication happens is if you come. You want to hear from God, you've got to be here because the messages from God are coming through the speakers that we have scheduled each day and each evening. And so if you want to hear from God, that's what's happening. But here's the thing. What I would challenge you to do is take all the messages, because this is what God does. He takes all the messages and he interweaves them to give you a message. And if you think about it, if you just take what we heard last night from, from our missionary Brian and this morning from our pastor Brian, and from Sam Miles and from uh, Mike Blake, and you weave all that together, there's a message that's forming. God is communicating that message. And if you take all of that and what's going to be said tonight and what's going to be said tomorrow and Wednesday, and you weave it together, then you sit down and you start praying, God, this is the message I got from you over the six or seven or eight or whatever messages that is. I'm telling you, God is weaving a message to you. He wants you to hear it. And the only way you're going to hear it is if you start, if you come and you listen. So I know from being in conferences for a long time, this is what I've always seen. I, I like to do that. I, I like to take the messages and say, okay, what's the, what was the focus? What was the focus on last night's message? 
Anybody got any idea? It was uh, surrender, don't commit. That's what I got out of it. Or maybe you got something different. Surrender, but don't commit. Because committing, I think what you said was you still own the, you own the, own the ball. You still own it. Surrendering is you've sacrificed. You said, I'm all in. And so weave all those messages together and, and let God speak to you and see what he's going to say to you over the course of this week. And then uh, it's going to be a great time. And then you see how God is going to use you to do what he wants you to do in his world. So we're going to have a video here right now. Um, we're going to have a message from, or not a, a greeting from our missionary in Oaxaca, Mexico, uh, Jane, um Joe Hendrickman, I'm sorry. It's a tough day. Um, Joe Hendrickman, he's got a message for you, and then we're going to have somebody come up. I'm not sure who's coming up. I think Mitch, but I'm not sure, uh, to talk about the trip to Oaxaca. So let's watch this video. Joe and Amy Hendricksman, missionaries to Oaxaca, Mexico. We are now into our seventh year of serving the Lord in the town of Santa Maria Huatulco, located 30 minutes from the Pacific coast. The ministries God has allowed us to start include a local church, two mission churches, a Christian school, a medical clinic, and a Bible distribution center. God has been faithful to us and has opened more doors than we could ever have imagined. We thank God for our team that works alongside us to further the gospel here in Oaxaca. La Iglesia Bautista La Gracia, or Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, will celebrate its sixth anniversary this July. Last year, God provided a piece of land where we now meet under a rented tent. The children meet under a large shaded tree close by. We average between 40 to 50 in attendance each Sunday morning. God has provided the funds to pay off this church property and complete phase one of the building project. In the middle of March, we continued with phase one and began building the inside and outside walls of the building that will contain classrooms and bathrooms on the church property. We plan to move the Christian school to this location by September of this year. We are encouraged by many faithful individuals and new visitors each month. We praise God for his continuous work and provision to continue building this main church. As an extension of Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, we have also started two mission churches in the town of San Isidro Limon and the 20th of November. Brother Philo is overseeing the mission in San Isidro and we are praying for a pastor for the 20th of November. Until God provides a pastor, Joe leads the Bible study on Tuesday evenings. We praise God for two ladies who got baptized in March from this mission church. They are burdened to be a witness in their community, so we continue to disciple them and encourage their walk with the Lord. 
We pray that God will continue to soften the hearts of the people in these two towns where the mission churches are located so more families may come to Christ. Escuela Cristiana La Gracia, or Grace Christian School, is a ministry of our local church that was officially started four years ago. This year, 2023, we have 21 students and have already started enrollment for the next school year. We have 26 students pre-registered with eight children on the waiting list. The students have subjects such as Bible, math, science, history, Spanish, English, comprehensive spelling, cursive writing, art, and PE. They learn Bible verses, Bible principles, and character traits in each subject. This past school year, we had three moms and their children join our church due to the requirement of attending church services if they do not have a Bible-believing church home. One student's mother just got saved the beginning of this year, and another mom received assurance of her salvation. These ladies and their children have been very faithful, and we thank God for the relationship we are building with them. Our goal is to reach lost families in our community and help them grow spiritually through our local church. We praise God for the fruit we have seen from the Christian school ministry. The Grace Medical Clinic is located at the mission-based property at the foot of the mountains. We are praying for a permanent doctor who is like-minded to work in the clinic ministry. We just had a dentist and general doctor spend six months with us, donating their time and skills as an open door to share Christ in our community. We were blessed to build rapport and develop relationships. Right now we hold clinics when we have a visiting doctor either from the States, another part of Mexico, or here locally. The medical clinic has the ability to go mobile and take supplies up into the mountains where we set up a temporary clinic and pharmacy. People receive free medical attention and free medication. The clinic ministry is our avenue to draw out the townspeople so that we may also share the gospel through these medical campaigns. We have an evangelistic team that goes with us and solely focuses on sharing Christ with each patient that passes through the clinic. They share the plan of salvation and pray for and encourage each individual. We have seen countless souls come to Christ and receive a portion of God's word as a result of the clinic ministry. We are thrilled to have had 14 trailer loads of scripture and evangelistic material delivered to Mexico since we moved to Oaxaca in 2016. This is a total of 26,044,752 pieces of literature received in the country of Mexico. God has prepared the way for his word to be spread across southern Mexico and beyond. In January of this year, we were able to send a trailer load to the city of Guadalajara to open a Bible distribution center there.
pastors and church folk from around Oaxaca and other states in Mexico drive to the mission base to pick up material at the warehouse. We also make Bible delivery trips all over southern Mexico, and we mail boxes to different states in Mexico, Guatemala, and Venezuela, South America. None of this is possible without God's mighty hand and how he works through ministries such as Seeds of Grace Transport, BPS Milford, countless churches and individuals who have a burden to get the gospel to the lost. We pray this video has been a blessing to you and that you now have a clearer image of what God is doing in southern Mexico. We also thank you for your part in helping to reach Oaxaca for Christ. We thank you for your prayers, your financial support, and for those that have come down and seen firsthand what God is doing in Oaxaca. May God bless you. I think Amy did a great job condensing everything that they're doing in that video because um, there is a lot of things that uh, they're involved in in Oaxaca. So um, as most of you probably are aware, uh, we've taken three trips now to Oaxaca. Our first trip was in 2019, and uh, it's been really cool to see the growth. I mean, every year we've gone, I think we skipped 2020 during COVID, um, but 2019, the mission base you saw in that video is the big yellow building. That's where they store a lot of their Bibles and everything wasn't even there. It was just dirt. So we helped to build a bathroom. That's all we did. And even Brad, you were out there in the early stages as well. And uh, so it's been really cool because every time we've gone, we've seen it grow more and more. And it's just, it continues to grow. And, and even uh, Caleb and I, well, was Caleb, I was looking for you. There you are. Uh, we got to, on the land where they're building the building now, we got to help clean that up and pray over it this past year uh, with Joe. So it's super cool to see how God has continued to bless their ministry. And uh, so we will be taking a fourth trip this year. Uh, that trip will be in November, and uh, here in a moment I'll give you all the details on that. I just wanted to mention one thing, that uh, when I went in November, it was just Caleb and I, it was just the two of us, and it was a great trip. But it was one of the things that I was wrestling with, and I was talking to Joe about, is why people don't go, why more people don't go. And um, what really I was thinking of is in Second Timothy 1.12, it says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And not to negate what Brian was preaching on yesterday on surrendering, but God has allowed us control over the things that we have in our lives. Whether that's our time, our finances, whatever we have, he has committed to us to steward that. And it is our responsibility to surrender that back to him. And I think a lot of people aren't persuaded or aren't convinced that he's willing to keep those things. And we know that Paul was fully persuaded. He was willing to suffer and uh, endure afflictions and to relinquish everything that he had for the sake of Christ. And I think a lot of us need to wrestle with the idea that are we actually 100% persuaded? Because if we're not, that's evidenced in the things that we commit to do. And if we're not fully persuaded, we'll see that as the fruit in our lives. So... I challenge you guys, I know for, for Jody and I, the first year we went, it was just getting our passport. And uh, that was a big step for us. And since then, I've been able to go back. Jody's uh, gone, did you go twice or once? Twice. And, uh, and that, God has just opened that door to allow us to continue to go back. So if you haven't made those commitments, it doesn't matter what trip you go on, just commit to surrender and steward the things that God has given you through the year to be able to go on these trips. Um, thankfully, this one to, um, to Mexico isn't really that expensive, so it wouldn't be that difficult to go on. So the details of this trip, it'll be November 25th 
through December 4th. It's 10 days with the, the first day and the last day are travel days. Uh, so we get uh, eight days there, two Sundays there. So we leave on a Saturday, come back on a Monday, and it uh, allows us to be there for two Sundays, which I really enjoy. And uh, right now, as of today, flights are $700. That's about what they were last year for Caleb and I. I've seen them go as high as 950 when we get closer. Uh, so the rough estimate of the trip is about 1200 bucks. You know, if you want to buy some souvenirs, $1,500 maybe would be the max for the trip. Uh, it's really affordable. It's an easy flight. It's in the same time zone, so that's a huge plus. Um, it's an easy flight down there. Nowadays, you can go uh, you go straight from KCI to Dallas-Fort Worth and then straight to Waltuco, which is great because you used to have to go to Mexico City on the way there, and you don't anymore. On the way back, you do, but that's a different story. So uh, the team size this year, we're going to um, cap it at 10 to 12. And I'll say – I mean, if you are even interested in the idea of it, just come sign up and, and come to the prayer meetings and just learn more about it. Signing the sheet isn't a, isn't a commitment to surrender to the mission field forever. It is just a commitment to, hey, I want to pray about the idea of going. I want to pray about the possibility that I might want to go either maybe this year or next year. Or if we get enough people, we can pray about two trips in a year. I mean, whatever God would have us to do um, would be good and we'd be willing to go. Um, so this year's plan as you guys have known the past few years, we've done a lot of physical labor. We've dug a lot of holes. We've poured a lot of concrete. Where's Luke at? We did some heavy work a uh, few years. But this year, Joe's plan is to give us a little bit of reprieve uh, from the heavy labor, and he's going to take us up into the mountains, and we're just going to evangelize the mountain towns. So we did a little bit of that this past year, and uh, we're going to continue that, and we'll stay up in the mountains for most of the trip. So it won't be too physical if you're concerned about that. Um, if you are interested in getting involved or praying about it with us, uh, our next prayer meeting is April 10th. And uh, let me know if you're interested. I can get you a whole schedule. We have all the dates laid out. Uh, we always have Mexican food, so it's always a great time. It's always at our house. Uh, my desire is to uh, – the weather's nice, so we can push it out onto the patio now if we get enough people instead of inside the dining room. So that would be great. And uh, one thing that wasn't in the video, um, some of you may have seen. I sent out an email the other day. Uh, I was actually – I got on my email. I was just scrolling through emails as normal, and I see an email from Chick Publications uh, because we get a lot of Chick tracks that we hand out on Halloween. And uh, it said that Mexico is on fire with the gospel. And I was like, oh, Mexico. So I open it up, and I see Joe and Amy in their picture right there. And I was like, what in the world? I know those people. So I shoot Joe a message real quick and tell him, I was like, hey, I know this guy. And uh, so if you, go, if you see that email, go to it. There's a link on there. And Chick Publications actually did a short interview with Joe. And they're actually sending uh, Joe and Amy a th- one million chick tracks to give out for free. So that's a huge blessing for them. We talked about that when I was there in November about the possibility of that. And what's even uh, uh, cooler is that Chick mentioned that Seeds of Grace is actually going to transport those tracks. So it is no cost to Chick on that part on the on the delivery. So here shortly they'll be receiving a million chick tracks to continue to distribute with. So. Uh, I think that's all the details I have. So if anybody's interested, sign up. We also have information on the table back there, or just talk to us and just continue to pray that more people will be stirred up to go, um, whether it's to Boston, Oaxaca, the DR, to Ireland, to wherever. I mean, just go somewhere. Go across the street. Uh, I know I've been praying about – we have a lot of new neighbors on Pearl Street, and uh, I haven't had a chance to meet any of them, which is kind of convicting because they've been so busy. But uh, I've been praying specifically to meet them, and I was driving home yesterday. Was it yesterday? And I see this poor guy. He's, like, trying to dig a hole with his shovel and clay, and I have a pickaxe. So I was like, hey, bro. I was like, I haven't met you yet. Here's a pickaxe. Turns out he was in the Army, too, so we got to hit it off pretty well. And um, So just go across the street, go to Mexico, go to the DR, go wherever, but just be obedient. So that's all I got.
Hi, church. This is Mike Renault from out in Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you so much for having me with you during your conference. Uh, what a blessing this is. Um, I wanted to update you. I'm your missionary out to Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, Boston is one of the major metropolitan regional areas in the United States, as you probably know, and so millions of souls hang in the balance. Uh, we are in, literally out here in Boston, up in the upper northeast, uh, a post-biblical culture, and so the Bible is not referenced it is, uh, it's not even remembered. People don't remember, uh, like many of us probably had, uh, family members, parents, grandparents who might have read the Bible or that we observed going to church if we didn't do that ourselves. That just doesn't happen here. And so, much like many of the mission field, foreign mission fields that you and I have been accustomed to sending missionaries to, uh, our whole lives. The big cities of the United States are becoming those same types of situations, mission fields where the gospel is desperately needed. And so we're here in Boston. We've been here since April of 2020, about three weeks after COVID was uh, formally made a big uh, thing to do all around the world and the world was shut down. And, and that is when the time that God decided he was going to put us right in the middle of it in Boston, Massachusetts. And so, uh, again, Boston's a target-rich environment. There are millions of souls here and uh, very densely populated, full of hard people that think that they have no need of God. And Boston, uniquely, if you've never been here before, you may not be aware of this, but it's, it's just one big, gigantic college town. And what do I mean by that? Well, within about a mile of the, the city, within the metropolitan city area, that service area, uh, are about 255,000 college students. And that is uh, inclusive of about 55 colleges or universities. And about a quarter of that is foreign-born students. Many of these, these students, both young and old graduate students, come from areas where it is absolutely illegal to hear the gospel. I'm talking about uh, communist Chinese, Saudis, Countries where uh, you'll be imprisoned or lose your job, where uh, if you take upon the name of Christ on your life, those are real legitimate risks. Lose family members, relationships. And so this is a target-rich environment that God has sent us to. We thank you desperately for your prayers and for your support. I wanted to give a, a quick couple updates. First, praise and then prayer. So just Praise the Lord that soul winning is going on. God is moving and the gospel is bring, being preached. Uh, disciples are being made. We've had several individuals within the context of our local church who did not even know the Lord before, who gave their lives to the Lord and now are being established in the four goals, uh, the goals of discipleship that our church implements, uh, these, these biblical goals. And so they're moving forward. Many of them have been established. Early on, I'll tell you, it's kind of a work in progress in a new church environment, especially in the upper northeast, or, or at least um, from my experience in the upper northeast, and just figuring out what that might look like, establishing the goals within the context of the local church. And uh, we've had several who have successfully done it, and they're involved in the ministry now with us and partnering alongside of us. Praise the Lord. We're a very small church. And uh, yesterday was Palm Sunday, and we may have had somewhere between 35 to 45 people total in the whole congregation, and which is which is a, a blessing. We don't complain about that. We praise God for that. That's 
God has added to his church from the seven adults that we we came out here with uh, when COVID hit. But many also we have inadvertently blown out of here because of just the intensity of what a, a church plant uh, involves and where everyone is working all the time in the church and, and nobody really has a week off. You know, you don't get to look at a schedule and wonder like, oh, am I working this week at church? Am I volunteering? You're basically doing it every week. And so that is thrilling, but it's also exhausting. And for a new believer, if if we catch them and they're not the right type of soil or the, their heart isn't cultivated yet to be able to receive the word of God richly, then sometimes that ends up blowing people out. So we're, we're learning a little bit better how to to, to, to cultivate those people and and I think the, the more the foundation of our church grows, the more opportunity they will have to, to just come around and see what the Lord is about before uh, the only option they have is either knowing Jesus Christ or being 100 miles an hour in ministry. And so pray for us with that, just for wisdom and how we employ that. But the Lord's moving. He's good. Several have been established. Our praise team has experienced some growth recently. This has been a point of prayer. Uh, let me let me shift into some prayer points. Would you pray for our youth? We're really trusting God this year to cultivate a youth ministry. We don't really have one at the moment, and but we feel like it's a need both to reach our community but also to uh, to feed the uh, the couple younger folks that we do have in our church. And so, would you pray for us and how that the Lord would have us to engage? our culture with the ministry of the gospel towards youth and families. Pray for families. We've had several people coming through the church recently that have just been connected through sports leagues that our kids have been involved with. And so we praise God for that opportunity. Would you pray that the Lord would just prick their heart and draw them closer either to receiving the gospel or to further committing in their own personal growth and obedience of the Lord? We're trusting God to build his church. We know that that's his role. And so would you join us in praying for that? Pray for more souls. Pray for our growing small groups, which consist of people that sometimes don't even know or maybe own a Bible at, at home. And we're introducing them to the scriptures for the first time. Would you pray for our Friends of International's ministry, uh, which the Lord has blessed? Would you would you pray for our disciples that they would be full of faith, would you pray for the Lord's protection over our church and over our leaders that we're not led into temptation? Lastly, let me conclude with this, and I've just got an opportunity for this fall that I'm very excited about. Talk to your pastor, okay? This, this uh, make, make sure you're you're connecting with whoever uh, needs to be missions funneled through through your local church. But I want to personally invite you out to Living Faith Boston. Come out to Boston, Massachusetts. Some of you are like me many years ago and, and sitting in a mission conference or sitting in your church and, and you're wondering seriously if the Lord would have you be involved in missions. And the Lord used mission trips in my life to confirm that and to galvanize that. And I know that for many of you, he may want to do the exact same thing. And whether that's a trip to Boston or a trip to other places, I'm inviting you to Boston, Massachusetts. And I've got two opportunities in particular for this fall. September 7th through the 12th is the first week. 
And then if you can't make that and you're still inclined to come out, October 11th through the 16th. Now, you can come and visit us anytime you want to. But these particular windows, as a church, we're focusing on evangelism. And we're focusing on worship. And we're trusting the Lord to bring an army of evangelists from churches from all over the country to come out here and blanket the city with the gospel to promote our growing small groups, that the Bible might be opened around kitchen tables, to promote the preaching of the gospel, to promote friendship and our friends of international so that the gospel can be demonstrated through people's lives over time, to promote our youth groups and things like that. And so would you pray about whether God would have you join with us this fall? Talk to your pastors. We would love for you to come out. You'll see Boston. You'll get to learn how to do the work of an evangelist. If you don't know how already, you'll you'll have that skill, that talent sharpened if you're already aware. And you'll be able to challenge our church and other people too in the field. And you'll be able to, most importantly, take the word of God in your own hands and give that to somebody else, a, a total stranger on the street. And, and praise the Lord, we've seen, I don't know how many people, I, I can think of three that just popped into my head right now, people that we met on the street for another person that now are part of our church and they're growing and they're working through what it means to follow the Lord and be sanctified. And so, man, you can be part of that. You can be part of that. I remember a pastor came out many years ago and they, they gave a tract out and four months later, this person showed up and, and said, I got a tract from Pastor Brian and I was so thrilled, and I remember texting Pastor Brian, just letting him know, like, hey, do you remember this? And I don't remember if he did or not, but the Lord works. The Lord works if we would just be obedient to go. And so I'm inviting you to go, to come to Boston, help us out this year. We're praying for you guys as a church. Thank you so much. God bless you. I'm praying especially that God would get maximum glory out of your life. Amen. I love you guys. We'll see you soon, I hope. Hello. Hey. Hi, everybody. Um, most of you know me. My name is Jim Stovall. Hi, Jim. <laughs> you know, I was fortunate enough. Um, I went on the first mission trip that we we took to Boston. It was in August of 21, kind of at the tail end of COVID. Uh, well, out there, it was still COVID. It was living large. But, um, it, you know, Mike, mentioned a lot of the things that I was going to talk about. Uh, it was a really exciting trip, and, and you may think, you know, like I did at first, like, why Boston? You know, why Beantown? What's, it's, it's not all exotic like some of the places that we go. Uh, but once we went there and was working with Mike, he, he really um, he shared his burden for the town. It's a very hard ground, like he mentioned. Uh, people were very cold to the gospel, the Americans in particular. Um, but he is, um, like he mentioned, Boston is, is home to 50 some odd universities and colleges. And, um, and every year there's like a quarter million students come in from all over the world. And, um, he mentioned, you know, the Chinese and all the different, uh, nationalities. Um, so, and, and Mike has this Friends of International program that he, he runs where he, 
He wants to uh, catch these students while they're here in the States getting their education. I mean, these are colleges like Harvard, Boston College, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. I mean, these are like big Ivy League schools. So these are very bright uh, kids from these other countries, uh, wealthy kids, that are going to go back to their home nation and be leaders and, and those types of things. So Mike wants to get them while they're here, get them saved, get them discipled, and send them back when, they, when they're out of school. Now they're missionaries, basically. So it's, it's really a cool thing he's doing. So one of the things we did when we went on our trip, um, the Lord has, has allowed Mike to rent a church building kind of right in the middle of all these colleges. I mean, he's, he's right there. Dorms were all around us. Uh, it's a beautiful church building. Uh, we would just go out every day and pass out tracts and, and talk to people. And we're talking to all these students that are coming in from these other countries. Um, you know, I talked to a guy that had a Chinese boy, he looked like he's 20, had just landed at Logan Airport and just made it onto campus. So I'm probably one of the first Americans that he's talking to. Uh, he had broken English, of course. but uh, So I got to share the gospel with him. And, and I know that happened to all the guys on the team. I'm sure, you know, Brian did that too. And it was really cool to be that, that first, you know, point of contact with these students. Um, so it was a blast. Uh, we talked to so many people, passed out so many tracks. Uh, it was really like street evangelism, big time. It was a blast. Um, let's see, what else would you do out there? Uh, Anyway, so we're going to plan another trip uh, this summer. I think, uh, yeah, I was going to, I think he stole most of my things I was going to talk about, which is fine. He's a great family. You know, Mike Mike was in Lee Summit. He's a lawyer, practicing lawyer still from Lee Summit, and he moved him and his family to, to Boston uh, you know, right before COVID or during COVID. Um, so anyway, great family. Um we're planning another trip this summer. Um, I think it's July-ish, August, August, September, like Mike mentioned. So I really encourage you guys, if, if you're on the fence about going on a trip, uh, maybe you don't have a passport yet, maybe you're not ready to go overseas, um, Boston would be just a great trip to go on. I and mean, it's in America. It's relatively inexpensive. It was like 1500 bucks or something, kind of like the Obaka. Um, just a, it'd be a great trip to really cut your teeth on, on you know, van, getting the gospel out to these students. Uh, it, it's just a, a good time. Can't say enough about that. So, um, so if you would, let's uh, pray for Mike. He mentioned several prayer requests that I, I jotted down. So let's pray for him real quick. And and I encourage you again, if you're thinking about going on a trip, this would be a great trip to go on. Um, so anyway. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I do thank you uh, again for Mike and Pastor Mike and his family and, and all the, the things you're doing for him out there. And thank you that your hand has been on him thus far. And uh, the few things that Mike mentioned that he'd like prayer for, Lord, is, is wisdom and discernment. Uh, doing a church plan is, of course, a lot of work. And just pray that you'd continue to give Mike wisdom and, and discernment in that area. And he, he mentioned his youth program, that he needs something uh set up there and just pray that you'd uh, you'd help help that come to to fruition lord and um and for the families uh, there's not a lot of families when we were there and just pray that you'd 
could help bring those in and uh, help help the church build a better foundation. Uh, and just really for souls, Lord, that uh, it's a very hard ground out there. And just pray that uh, for strength for Mike and his team, uh, witnessing and sharing sharing the gospel with these people, that uh, you would tenderize their heart, Lord, and, and just help help bring in souls, get the growth going. And, and for his Friends of International Ministry, that that has been growing, Lord. I do follow them on Facebook, and it's really exciting to see all the, the young students uh, joining and linking arms with Mike. And thank you for that and continue to to bless that ministry and, and just for protection for his church, uh, protection for all the the traveling and the walking and all the things they do out there. And just really pray, Lord, that if uh, if anyone here is thinking about going on a trip to visit Mike and the church, that you would just uh, encourage them and and uh, just help that that happen, Lord. And ask all this in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, I don't know if you guys ever just have a song that you hear and. It just maybe catch you at the right time, but it just the words just absolutely floor you. And um, this is one of those songs for me. Uh, this is a song that just talks about uh, what what God did to save us and His mercy and His grace and His goodness in our lives, saving us uh, when we didn't deserve it. And uh, this is a song uh, called "Oh But God." I was buried beneath my rebellion, lost without hope of redemption, blind in my need for a Savior, oh, but God, crushed by the weight of my failure, living the lie I created. Digging my grave without knowing, oh, but God, oh, but God, rich in mercy, how you loved me too much to let me stay lost. My salvation sent from heaven, nailing my sin to a cross, oh, but God. You gave me a truth to believe in And I traded my chains for your freedom Cause you were the one that I needed Oh, but God Resurrecting my heart from the ruins My rescue came through like the morning Now this is my sure testimony Oh, but God, oh, but God, rich in mercy, how you loved me too much to let me stay lost. My salvation sent from heaven, nailing my sin to a cross, oh, but God. And all the wreckage of my choices You have turned to life from ashes Lifted from death, 
to let me stay lost my salvation sent from heaven nailing my sin to a cross oh but God I was buried beneath my rebellion lost without hope of redemption Blind in my need for a Savior, oh, but God. Thanks, Brian. Praise the Lord. Oh, but God. Hey, do this with me. Uh, stand where you are. And we got a gap here. We got to pray the Lord of the harvest. There's like a... Thanks for filling the gap. They're standing, they're sitting in the gap. That's fine. I thought I'd just get you up, stretch out, you know, put your left foot in. No, just kidding. We're all in, right? We're all in. And uh, in just a moment, you're going to hear from tonight's speaker. But I want to encourage everybody uh, to consider the prayer or the uh, missions opportunities that are before us for this year. Uh, you know, signing up, as Mitch said, for one of these trips it gets you in the loop. So I know it maybe even if you're not quite sure, you can sign up. You'll get invited to meetings, get the information you need and all of those things. And, uh, and you know what? Just like Brian's saying, but God, right? All the excuses, all the sin, all the things that, that are holding you back, the insecurities, which is sin, all of that stuff, man, you can cast it on the Lord and walk by faith, right? If, and the resources, all the things that God needs to provide. That's what it's all about is walking with him. And uh, and so, amen and amen. Hey, uh, you can be seated. Got the blood flowing. And uh, I just wanted to get you guys up for a minute. We've been sitting for about 40 minutes probably. Uh, our next speaker is Jay Boffman from uh, Union, not Unionville, Uniontown, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so, Green, huh, no, not Pennsylvania, sorry. That's actually my wife's, yeah, family's from Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Uniontown, Ohio. Just next door, not too far away. You can drive to Uniontown, Pennsylvania in about an hour and a half from where he's living. But uh, anyway, uh, Jay Boffman, is, uh, he's my friend. This morning, if you were here for the sessions, by the way, those the, I really enjoyed uh, what Sam and what um, what Mike Blake had to say. Mike concluded the sessions, very just kind of put a little cherry on top, talking about relationships, what moves us into these relationships to support uh, uh, missions, efforts, church plants, etc., are relationships. Uh, even with you just saw these relationships that we looked at a moment ago. And Jay Boffman is a is a brother that that I would not know if it wasn't for Mike Blake. I met I met Jay many years ago up at Mike Blake's uh, a vision conference. Uh, many, probably I don't know now. Probably 20 years ago or 19 years ago, a long time ago. And we become fast friends. Of course, we've had Jay out uh, at the marriage conference a few years ago. Actually. Um, Tony Godfrey did, and 
Uh, and uh, we had a great time with that. And then COVID hit, locked us all down. And this brother's been walking by faith. Uh, at a time, I was just sharing with somebody, I don't remember who it was, but at a time when uh, a brother could be saying, you know what, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to retire here in a decade uh, or so. I'm going to kind of run this thing out. This guy's off planting a new church uh, right there in his own community. And uh, he and, and Courtney have been faithful in their family uh, to strike out this year. So we're really, I'm really thankful he carved out the time this week to be with us because when you're planting a church, like Mike said, it's every day, it's on, it's going. And uh, they're very busy, so I'm thankful that he was able to come out and be a part of our conference this week. So uh, give Jay a warm HBF welcome as he comes to preach to us tonight. So when we did that marriage conference, how many of you were there? Still married? Well, praise the Lord. That's a win. Um, but if you remember that marriage conference, you remember the, the that was when COVID began, because everybody was starting to get a little bit of scare, afraid, and things were spreading. And wow, so we were in it. We were in it from that point on. Um, I really wanted to come out and relax this week and be refreshed. And Pastor said, "Would would you speak?" Uh, of course. And so here we are. Um, I, I tell you, I, I can't say no to you all. You're very near and dear to me. Even though some of you don't know me, some of you know me. I said the same thing to, to Maple City Baptist Church. I was able to speak there. Where's Mike at? Okay, I was able to speak their vision conference here in November. And we started a church this year, and we're one year old. And there are things that you have done and experienced as a church in similar size and fashion to us that have taught us, and you're going to help us just by what you've already done and experienced. And so so I just feel very close to you. I feel endeared to you. And again, I know I, I probably know Mike's folks a little bit better, but thank you for who you are, Heartland, to me. Now, with that being said, I have a story. When I was at the Maple City uh, Vision Conference. There, you all were there. There was a team there doing some work with their youth. I think you all exchanged. And you know, Maple City—they're—they're they're a bit coffee snobs. I guess is a light way to say it. They love their coffee, and I love their coffee. And you know, when you're at these conferences several days, you just need coffee. And I, yeah. And so the last day, I'm like, I need my coffee. And so I'm looking, I'm looking, and I, I'm just. I'm a bit of a coffee snob, too. I just like my coffee with a tad of cream to take off the edge. And so I'm, I'm looking. They got good coffee. I got it filled. And, I mean, you had 50 different flavored creamers. Kind of becoming a little bit of sissies over there with this cream. But not one, one normal creamer could I find. And I, I'm, I'm so tired. I've got my coffee there. I'm not having it without regular cream. So I'm looking, and I'm patient. And, and a lady comes up beside me and she said what's wrong I said well I can't find regular cream and I'm kind of frustrated and she said oh I'm like in, a, in a, my mind I'm like lady help me don't just give me a pity party here find some cream so and in the course of that she said just you sweet she said uh well, I'm from Harrisonville. And I said, oh, you got a sweet body. And one of Mike's, 
One of Mike's members walked by right at that moment. (laughs) Stuck his head in and said, you know that can be taken out of context. So I just want you to know, Heartland, Pam Jackson does have a very sweet body. But it was meant for you. And uh, she said, oh, pastor, will you be kind tonight? So I think I think I think I was kind. So um, so anyways, you you are endeared to me. And I really I said that in all sincerity in frustration looking for coffee. But I really mean that about you. So uh, our folks, I told them Sunday I was coming out here and I'm looking at all of them. And I said, I wish they could see your faces. You know, I get to see your faces, and I get to see their faces, but you all don't get to see each other's faces. Isn't it great that the body of Christ is at work all over this world, all over this country? I'm telling you, we have happy, loving, loving, serving Jesus people in Greentown, Ohio. Let's just get that clear, too. (laughs) One of the parts of my message tonight is God uses insignificant people in insignificant places, and you all have... Definitely confirm that tonight. We're in Pennsylvania. We're in Unionville. Greentown, Ohio. So my family, if you'd go ahead and put the picture up of uh, my wife and... Oh, there we are. Okay. He said he fixed it up real nice for me. So uh, this is my uh, my wife, uh, Courtney. We've been married 21 years this summer. My daughter, Emily, she's 18, and that's my son, Jared. He just learned to drive, just backed into the grill that I put out at the road uh, as well. So we're working on fixing his cracked head or rear uh, taillight. But um, my, my, my kids are growing up. They're growing up at this time. We're starting this church, and it's super exciting. And I wish they were here because we're just kind of like a team on this journey. But what I want to say about them is... Uh, uh, you know, we've raised them, hopefully, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And I told them when they're 18, they're out. Just kidding. But the goal is for them that they grow and that they go. That they grow and that they go. And that is so deeply ingrained in me as a church planner. It was mentioned this morning by Pastor Sam. Um, but I love my family, and it actually relates uh, so much to this message tonight. The title of the session is To Diligently See the Need to Plant Churches. That is a very long title, uh, but that is the the session that I've been given tonight. To Diligently See the Need to Plant Churches. And can I just say, if you have kids, it is the same goal with your family. Your goal is not to raise your kids and keep your kids in your home forever. Your goal is to grow them and train them so that they will go. Church, that is our goal, too. We're compared to a body. We're to grow so that we can go. So before I get into, I'm going to tell you the story of how God put us in Greentown. Then we're going to move into the Word of God tonight and hopefully be challenged forever for the way that we should think while we're here on this planet. So will you join me in prayer? Father, I have a lot on my heart to share tonight. My heart overflows, and you know it. But I pray that you would just calm me and help me to communicate the things that you want. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for all the churches that are represented here. We have several pastors and missionaries, all of the work that you are doing, God. But you brought us here tonight together to hear 
this message, to hear these things. Oh God, help us to listen. Oh God, help our hearts to be soft. I don't care who we are, God. When your word is open and you speak, you will change lives. You will change directions. You will send us places we never thought we could or should go. Will you work tonight, God, like that? Thank you so much for the journey that has brought us together from all different uh, uh, forms of life and aspects of life uh, to be here tonight, to be here this week. And so continue to work and speak tonight, and we'll trust that you'll do it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we planted a church uh, almost one year ago on March the 6th of 2022 in a little town called Greentown. And as has been demonstrated, like I said, it is a very insignificant place. One stoplight, a couple pizza shops, that's about it. People have been asking me, how big is your town? 3,500. I had to look it up when I got here because it's very insignificant. Well, and I said, well, it's really more about the township that we're in. And I don't even think in Missouri you have townships. And they're like, well, how big is that? And I said, 35,000. I had to look that up. Well, well, but what about, you know, how do you grow? And, and so we have all kinds of cities around us, but really we, we don't matter. We're, we're, we're in a place. And before you judge us, you're in a cow field, right? So we planted a church March the 6th in 2022, 16 minutes from the place we were sent out by car. 9.3 miles away, and what we did was, I'm going to tell you how it happened, but we sent out 101 adults. We sent one-fourth of our church to this new location. We sent uh, about 40 kids out as well, so the church had a good church split. We've had all kinds of rumors. Well, just everybody that was mad that we left, no. We had a good church split. And we took one-fourth of us uh, to this new location. Now, how did, how did it all unfold? Now, I'm telling you, I think the pandemic of 2020, uh, we, we thought it was all a disaster and all, all a mess. And God did so many things. What it did was, of course, we all panicked at first. We all probably shut down at first. And then once we got our senses about us, we got back on, on board. We got back to doing what we should do. And we still had, had uh, you know, some, sometimes we weren't sure. But what we found at the First Baptist Church of Jackson in Canton, Ohio, was uh, we went to two services, and we did, we did the, the hand-washing things, and we did the rows and all, all that kind of stuff. But what we found to go, from going to two services, which we had never had, is we just grew. Well, first of all, we shrunk. You know why we shrunk? Because we said... You don't have to wear masks if you don't want to. We said you don't have to sit where you know away from people if you don't want to. You're free. You're free to do what what you feel comfortable to do, and we want to enable you to do that. And we, some people didn't like that. Some people wanted us to be dictatorial, and we just said that's just not what we're going to do. And so we lost some people, but you know what? We gained so many more. We gained so many more. And what we found was through COVID, people were looking for the truth. They just wanted somebody would take bold stands. And when they got there, they got more than just the truth about COVID. They got the truth from the word of God. They were in churches that were dead. They weren't hearing it. And they started hearing it and, and got excited about it. And they didn't even know this existed. And so we grew and grew and grew. And what we found in 20 years 
of, of being the First Baptist Church of Jackson, we planted one church in that time. And what, what we looked at when we had two services going, when we combine back to one service, we're not going to fit. We've got a problem. So we, we had some deacons meetings, and um, we talked about things in the, on the pastoral team. What are we going to do when we come back together? And we actually had plans drawn up to uh, blow the wall out in the back and expand the building. And when we laid those plans before everybody, it was, it, it was just interesting how it worked. The deacons in particular were like, no. They said, no. That is not what we're designed to do. We're not designed to get bigger. We're designed to go. And that's what you've been telling us all these years. They told us that. And that's what we need to do. And so we started to develop a plan. Well, okay, now where do we go? I'm telling you, we got really bad at this business of diligently looking to plant churches. We did. We got very comfortable, and we were just doing church as normal. And so, so, so the motive became to, to plant a church. And so where do we plant a church? What is God doing? And so we started to look at where people were coming to our location from, and we had two large conglomerations. One was to the north west and one was to the southwest and we started to to explore those two regions and we found there weren't any baptist churches uh like ours in those regions and and so i kind of became the spearhead of of that search team and and the plan wasn't for me to go it was for somebody else to go but uh in the one area uh, we went down there and we were looking and it was looking good we had one church down there they were down to 10 people it was a baptist church and they said, we'll just give you the keys and the eight acres, and you can just take over for us. And I thought, God, this is of God. How wonderful. No debt, no. And uh, the door closed like that. It was just over. They said, you know, we, we, we talked about it, and we just decided not. It was like a door opened there and closed, and a door opened there and closed, and a door opened there and closed. And I, I, I kept telling God, we're willing to go. Seriously, we're well, you, you, God wants us to have that kind of a relationship where we're just honest with him. God, we want to go. You told us to go. We're motivated to go. Show us where to go. We even looked at Florida. We had about 10 people uh, or 10 families that said that they, they might move to Florida. We looked at a location down there and just nothing panned out. So that was in the southwest strategic area that we found. And up in the northwest area, there was no buildings available. There really wasn't, or very few buildings available and very little land. And then one day in our search, when that, it was almost right around that time when that door closed of the church that was going to give us their building, another building became available up in this other area. So we went and we talked and, and it was a, a Nazarene church had whittled down from hundreds of people to to uh, about 10 people, and they decided we're just we're done. We're going to give up. And so we began to talk to them, and, and they were excited, and uh, they sold us the building, as it were. And so we now had a building, and we needed a preacher. And so uh, the, the question became, who goes? We had four pastors on staff. And uh, the, the head pastor, you know, was definitely didn't feel that call. And so it was us other three. And really, the lot was cast and it fell on me. And they said, will you go? He said, do you want to stay or do you want to go? Because you're the best qualified to go. Now, when someone asks you, do you want to go? That sounds to me like I want to get out of here. Like, I don't like this place. I don't like you. I, 
And I didn't feel that way. So I said to him, I want to stay, but I want to go. And he said, that's not good enough. I need to know whether you want to stay or you want to go, and I need an answer, and then we'll go from there. Because if you're not willing to go, then I don't want to send you. So we were going away on a little uh, spring break vacation, and uh, I said, well, I want to talk to my family. We'll pray. And so we went on, because we're, we're in this as a team. So we went on this trip, and we talked for a long time. And, I mean, it really didn't take much talking. Uh, it was when we were driving, I remember, uh, just the, the conversation became, should we stay or should we go? Well, what would be the reasons to stay? And my kids really couldn't come up with anything. And my wife, and you know what? What we really came to the conclusion was God didn't call us to stay. He called us to go. And if, and if, and if others are saying, you guys are the most equipped to go do this, then we need to go do this. We need to just trust the Lord. And so that's how we ended up being the ones uh, going there. And I'll tell you, we went and took over uh, this location from this Nazarene church. And there is the cornerstone on the church. And it's right on the front of the building. And it says, First Church of the Nazarene, 1961. It's beautiful. It looks like it was done yesterday. And when, when my folks walk around and they see that, they say, Hey, Pastor, are we going to get rid of that sign? Are we going to get rid of that cornerstone? I said, Not at all. That cornerstone is going to be a reminder to us of what will happen to us if we don't do what we're supposed to do. And we're already getting up there towards the 200 number. And so our people are starting to panic, like, what are we going to do? Well, how did we get here? I'll tell you, when God opens a door and you know you're supposed to be there, it gives you all the confidence in the world. So if God brought us to Greentown and we're growing and we're starting to outgrow it, guess what he's going to do? He's going to open the door for where we're supposed to go next. Now, in our church, when I brought with the, this group that I brought with me, one of the things that I noticed about my flock, and that's I love your theme here, be diligent to know the state of thy flocks. I have four guys they came with me that all believe they have a call in their life to, to be a pastor or a missionary. And that was on my radar from the beginning. Okay, my sending pastor is no longer responsible for these four. I'm responsible for these four. And so I've been starting to meet with them on a monthly basis. And we're just talking about pastoring. We're talking about ministry. I have no doubt that when God opens the door for us to, to plant another church that's local uh, off of our local church is probably going to be one of those four men because that's the plan of God and uh, you know why do we need to diligently plant churches let me just say this because we're built for it we're built to plant churches turn uh, to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 and you know this but for the for the title tonight diligently seeing the need to plant churches this is the verse this is the verse. But ye shall receive what? Power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You know what I like about the, the, that that edict, I guess, to go 
is he says, and it's, it's like definitive, it's, it's authoritative. Ye shall receive power. And then it says, ye shall be witnesses. On the authority of God, ye shall. When we first came to the Nazarene church, and the, 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 of course the Nazarene pastor was gone, but they have, they're like a, a organization. So someone from the Nazarenes came and was walking me around, and he, he, we're in the, we're in the fellowship hall, and we're looking out the window, and we're both looking out the window, and he said, you know, what was really sad at the very end for the church that was here was that everybody told me, everybody kept telling me, nobody comes to Greentown. Greentown's a nothing place. Uh, it doesn't really exist, and everybody leaves Greentown to go somewhere else. And I remember looking out the window, thinking about this verse, thinking about our call, and thinking about why we're coming there. And I said to him, you know what's crazy about that? I believe we're going to reach the entire world from Greentown. Because that's God's plan. God is in the business of taking insignificant people, putting them in insignificant places, and doing incredible things. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. We are built and designed to go and to to grow and then to go. And God's plan is worldwide: Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. Now, now, where do we go? Titus chapter one and verse five. If you put it on the screen for me, is it up there? Did I miss something? Okay, there it is. Paul told uh, Titus, for this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in what? Every city, even Cowfields, I think that's in there somewhere, as I had appointed thee. God wants us to plant churches in every city. It's almost like you could take and blind, put a blindfold on, put a map up, Throw a dart at it, and that's unless you land in water, that's probably a pretty good place to plant a church. And you say, even what we did was we took and looked where we had people coming from, but the other factor we looked at about where to plant a church was where were there not other Baptist churches? But how about this? Are all Baptist churches created equal? How many Baptist churches today... Preach the Bible with authority. How many Baptist churches today make disciples? How many Baptist churches today have a worldwide mindset? I'm telling you, you could take a dart and throw it probably anywhere, and it would be a good place to go to plant a church. And so, and again, God loves to take people in places that are seemingly insignificant and make them significant. And I love that. I'm telling you, I'm a I'm a kid that grew up in a little town from a divorced family. I felt like the place I grew up, I was a nothing. I was a nobody. I was never going to amount to anything. I should not be here in Harrisonville, Missouri, speaking to you guys tonight. And if you feel that way, I'm, God takes people like you and like me, and he just uses you to go to Boston, Massachusetts and see fruit. What a blessing that was uh, to see that. Now, if you look at Exodus chapter 6 and verse 7, we have that on the screen, I think, for you. And I will take you to, this is Israel. This is before they came out. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. God said, I was, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to make you something significant. And then shortly thereafter to Israel, he said in Numbers 20, it says of them in Numbers 22, 
Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, just a short bit of time, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. We know this is the story of Balak, uh, Balak and Balaam there. And uh, but but notice they had been nothing. They were a scattered people. And God says, I'm going to make you people. And immediately, shortly thereafter, they're a people that covers the whole face of the earth. That's the people factor. And then in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that he that is to be the ruler of Israel. God took a little insignificant town, and, and he brought the king of kings to birth out of that town. We're in little green town that doesn't matter that everybody runs from, and I think, I believe we're going to be the best thing that ever happened in that town. I just believe that. That's what God does. He takes very insignificant people, very insignificant places, and does significant things with them. Look at John on the screen, John chapter 1 and verse 46. It's very similar when it comes to Nazareth. Nathaniel said unto him, can there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, hey, come and see. Hey, come and see what God's doing in a cow field. Hey, come and see what God's doing in Boston, Massachusetts, which has lost their minds for anything that has to do with God. Hey, come and see what God's doing in the little town of Greentown. Listen, God's got a great plan, folks. We can never lose sight. He wants to reach the whole world. He wants to ordain elders in every city. But we're at the end. It shouldn't work. I'm telling you, God could do a great work at the end. Why wouldn't he save as many people as he can before the tribulation period? But you know what? The church has lost their mind. The church has lost their vision and their sight. And that's the purpose tonight. That, that's the message uh, for us from God is to consider these things. If you turn over to Matthew 28. <clears throat> Matthew 28. This is the other place when we think of being diligent to plant local churches, the, the commission here. Jesus came and spake to them. He said almost the same thing. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. I'm powerful. Now go do it. Go ye therefore. But it's verse 17 I want you to look at. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know what the response to the doubt was? All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt it, Harrisonville. Don't doubt it. God has great things for you. Don't doubt it that God wants some of you to go. You say, but I'm insignificant again. I'm not talented. I'm, I don't have skill. I don't have ability. I'm telling you, God will show you what you can do, and he will get you where you need to be. But we need to have the mindset that God is in this business and some doubt it. And maybe you're in this room tonight and you doubt. I would have never. Listen, Mike, you've kind of been a role model for me. Brian, you've been a role model for me. Mike, for a long time, I thought, you're just so gifted and funny and a great speaker. I would have never thought I would be up here before you. But they're saving the best for last. My point is... God will use anybody with a willing heart. And he'll fine-tune you and make you usable for him. But he has a grand plan, a great plan, 
He says, ye shall receive power and ye shall be witnesses. And I, for one, believe him. I believe him. And I, I don't, I've told our church, I don't know if this is the end for me. I don't know if Greentown is the final destination. Why? I'm kind of excited now. I'm 52 years old. God took me. I was a school teacher for nine years. I was a principal for nine years. I was an associate pastor for 11 years. And I've been a senior pastor for one year. And I'm just a little bit excited about it. I'm just a little bit excited. And now I'm like, God, I feel like Caleb. Give me 10 years here and then send me somewhere else and let's see what happens. Don't you want to? You've got one life to live and one life to give. Why not just give it all to him? Come on. I was in the school system, and, and what I saw there as a principal is everybody was living for retirement. And, and you know what? Because teaching nowadays really sucks. It does. Transgender, homosexual, all the things you can't say, you want to say, and you have to say the things you don't. It's all backwards. It's all reversed. And what do they do? They give you a really good retirement and a lot of pay so that you'll stay. I'm like, I've got one life to give. I'm not doing it for that. This is when I started realizing that I saw the call on my life to go and do something more, to, do, to go and do something great for God. So if, if this is the plan of God and if this is the power of God, let me ask you a serious question. If this is the plan of God and this is the power of God, where are the great moves of God today to start churches? Where are they? You've started a couple. Jackson, in tw- the church I came from, in 20 years started two. I kind of, if our goal is to, to grow and to go, is that enough? Are we growing right? Or are we doing what's right? And so here's what I want to do. Here's where God led me to, he just said, this is the message tonight. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. Where does it start in that plan? Right here. In that plan, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost, where does it start? What's the starting point? It's a trick question. What's first? <laughs> Jerusalem. And don't we do it? What do we say? We're Jerusalem. This is home, right? So what I want to do is I want to take you back to an Old Testament passage, two verses, where God got all over Jerusalem because they weren't doing what they should be doing. Are you with me on that? So that we're going to make an application because this, this, this journey of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the uttermost, that's the commission for us. And so we can take something that God challenges Jerusalem with uh, uh, devotionally as an application for us and use it. So the passage, and, and so here, this is how this worked. Uh, this, was very, this is an obscure passage. I went to Liberia uh, about a year ago, and they were going to do a revival there. And, and, and I, I, went, I was going to preach a, a building dedication, and they said, we're going to do a revival. We're going to have four preachers preach on this passage so work up a message. So you're, let's go. Let's go there. Isaiah 52. You're going to read it and be like, what is this saying? And then I started looking at it a little bit more. and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So I wrote a message uh, for this passage. And then we got there and they said, oh, by the way, we're not doing the revival. You know, you, you work hard, pastor. You want to preach the message. So I threw it in the file. And Mike, when I came to your conference... 
we're talking about similar things, and I, I had all my messages down, and I had one for the, the final message, and, and God just said, no, that's not good. And so I'm like, well, what? I, this is what I've got. And he said, keep looking. So I'm, I'm looking back through, and I find this message on this passage, and it was perfect. It was right. And when I looked, when Brian told me what the topic was tonight, God said, this is the message. This is the message for us. So it's Isaiah 52, verses 1 and 2. That was a lot of buildup for two verses, but here we go. Awake! Awake! Put on thy strength, O Zion, which is Jerusalem. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. This is interesting. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. So he's challenging Jerusalem. You are not where you should be. Zion is Jerusalem. Zion is home base. God expects there to be an understanding in Jerusalem. Amen? There's expected to be an understanding. If we are home base to get to Judea and to Samaria and to the uttermost, home base has got to get it. Home base has got to have an understanding. And so the first part here says, awake, awake, O Zion. It's repeated. Wake up, wake up. It's almost like you're in a deep sleep. You ever been woken up suddenly in the middle of the night to a siren or to, to a screaming kid or to a knock on the door or to a doorbell ring? I had that happen. And, and you go down. And so, so what happens when you wake up? There, there's there's a, a, a bit of disarray and confusion. And when I wake up, I'm almost kind of like, well, what I miss? What I miss? Yeah, exactly. Jerusalem was sleeping. And she was supposed to be something. And so there was there's disarray. There was confusion. There was missing. She was missing things. Sometimes Israel, you know, by the end of the Old Testament, Israel's missing everything. They were designed and built for something, and they were missing it. Church, as Jerusalem, we can be just the same. It was mentioned today by Pastor Sam Miles. We can just come to church and play church. I'm telling you, we're, we're, we're built for so much more than that. God designed us to get after the entire world. And if you're here and you're in, you're in, the, in, in the earshot of my voice tonight, I'm telling you, that's his message to you tonight. It doesn't end with where you are right now. It starts tonight. Jerusalem, Jerusalem was missing things. God made Israel to be the light of the world. In the Old Testament, he gave them everything. They had all the prophets. They had all the prophecies. They had all the miracles. There was Egypt. There was the Red Sea. There was the manna and the quail. And here's what God said to them in different places. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. He says, for, uh, these are on the screen. For thou art an holy people to the Lord thy God. Take this for us. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people to himself. Above all people, above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 28:13. And the Lord shall make thee, Jerusalem, Israel, the head. I love this. The head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above, uh, above only. And thou shalt not be beneath. 
And if thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. You know, there are a lot, there are a lot of churches out there today, but very few, very few are the head and not the tail. Very few are the head. Heartland, Harvest, Maple City, Greentown, First Baptist Church of Jackson, I'm telling you, with a discipleship mindset and believing every word of God and seeing this mission to, 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 to reach the entire world, we ought to be the head. We ought to be the ones getting the job done today. That's just the way it is because of all God has given to us. The nation of Israel and Jerusalem, were, it was supposed to be the light to the world, the light to the Gentiles. In Isaiah chapter 60, it says, the Gentiles will come to thy light. And, and you know, in, in Matthew, it says, they were a sit, Jerusalem was a city that was set on a hill and it cannot be hid. It can, we take that for ourselves, but do you realize that was for Jerusalem? And they failed. And now it's us. And God says, you are the city set on the hill and you can't be hid. You can, but it's not the way that you were designed to be. Now, how about for us? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 5, these, some of these are on the screen. You are, ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, not of the darkness. We are what Israel was in the Old Testament. We know these things. For ye, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye children in, uh, are ye light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. I like that. I like that. You are light. Now walk like it. Right? You're built for it. I've designed you for it. I've put it inside of you. Now walk that way. We don't, it's a choice. We don't have to be like that. We don't, listen, we don't have to be churches like that either. I'm preaching to you tonight like this is the last message I'll ever preach. Why? Because this is what we're supposed to do. And if it gets, if it gets us mad or why are you poking us? We're doing all right. Are we doing all right? Are we doing all right in diligently planting churches? Or could we do better? Could we do better? God was all over Jerusalem uh, for the same kind of things. The, the last part of verse 1 says, I love this too. Put on thy strength. Put on thy beautiful garments. You know what he doesn't say? Go out and get strength. You know what he doesn't say? Go out and get beautiful garments. He says they're there. Just put them on. You don't have to work for it. You just need to put it on. It's there for the taking. It reminds me of God providing food for them for 40 years. And what, what in a sense, God was saying was, Israel, just put me on. I am your strength. Just believe me. What, what, what do we believe, Lord? All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. What do we believe, Lord? But ye shall receive power. And after that, ye shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Christ is the one that gives us the strength to do these things. And in the New Testament, it's written to us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 on the screen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Put on your strength. Be strong. Quit playing church. Really be strong and in the power of his might. And I'm just telling you, it'll scare you a little bit. It'll scare you when you really start seeing the power of God work in your life. You'll start leading people to Christ. 
you'll start seeing outside of Harrisonville. You'll start, you'll start seeing that even though you're 50 or 60 or 70 years old and you're still here and you still got strength, God might want to use you for something. You, you put it on though. You put it on. And then finally, uh, Philippians 4.13. And again, these are just connecting strength to what God challenged Israel with. Put on thy strength. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And I don't know how that's ever been explained. I'm not, a, I'm not an English person. But the way that I think that verse should read is, and I'm not questioning the King James Bible or the Texas Receptus, okay? I can do all things through Christ, who strengtheneth me. That's to me how that should read. But it says which. And I've always, I've, when I've looked at that and I've thought about how that word is, it's because he's deep inside here. He's right with me. He, which strengtheneth? I can do all things through Christ. He's inside. The power's there. I just need to let it out. I need to let him strengthen me. He's not a God that's far away is my point. He's a God that's inside of us and just wants to give it to us, to put it on. And then finally, uh, in that first verse, it says, uh, put on thy beautiful garments. Christ gives us beautiful garments. Isaiah 61, verse 10. Uh, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord on the screen. My, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. Aren't those the best garments you've ever gotten in your entire life? Man, never get too far away from your salvation. There's power in that. That's when you, you put the, your trust in the Savior and he came in and he gave you everything all at once. And he covered me with the robe of righteousness. Uh, Romans thirteen fourteen. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on thy beautiful garments. Put. He tells us, Paul, put it, put them on, and don't. And 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 so, why do we cast them off? Because we make provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know what we do? God comes in and he clothes us with righteousness. He clothes us with his goodness. He does everything right. And we just kind of take it off. And we do our little runs in the flesh, right? Just put it on. Keep it on. And let me show you my, my mighty works. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 9. But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and the beggarly elements? Whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You want to go back to that? Listen, we don't know how many years we have left. We need to have always in our mind to diligently seek to plant churches. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts. Greentown Baptist Church is one year old. I know people that do five-year plans, ten-year plans, fifteen-year plans... I'm not all about that. I think you can write God out of stuff with that stuff. But here's what I'd what I, what I like to see. In two years, we start a new church. In four years, we start two churches. Why? We're in the last days. God's given us strength. God's given us understanding. We're just going to do it. And God's going to open the doors, and he's going to make it very clear, but... If we're on it and we're, we're living in his strength and we got on his beautiful garments, he's, he's, he's going to allow us to do those kind of things. We dream big for God. We attempt great things for God and expect great things from him. And then verse 2 here in Isaiah uh, 52, it says, and then this is, the, this is a bit of a confusing verse. It says, shake thyself from the dust 
And then it says, arise and sit down. And I had to really think through that. How do you do that? That means you're down here and you should be up there at the table. You're down here in the dust. So he says, arise, get up, shake off the dust, and sit down where you should be. They were living, now now listen to this, this is key. They were living lower than they should have been. They were living underneath the place of prominence that God had given them. Beneath their prominent position in the Lord. And notice here again in verse 2, it says, Loose thyself. Loose thy bands. Loose the things that are around thy neck. It's almost like they're in a self-inflicted position. You did this to you. Just take the bands off. Hey, if you're in this room, you're struggling with sin, just take it off. Get some accountability. Get, Get some gumption in you to realize Christ saved me. Christ designed me for something different. Take it off. Loose yourself. It's that simple. Get up from the dust. Now, um, I like here too, he doesn't say, go get your pastor to do it. He doesn't say, go to the priest to do it. He says, you do it. You do it through Christ which strengtheneth you. You loose yourself from, from the things that are keeping you down. You can do it. God has always given us a, a choice and free will and the ability to do it, to be free. Jerusalem, Harrisonville, Monmouth, Greentown, that's how we're going to get it done. That's how we're going to diligently get it done. God was getting all over Jerusalem to make sure she had the understanding. This is why it's not working so well. You've got to put on your strength. You've got to put off some things. Now, I like the last part here, too. It says, shake shake the dust off. When you think about dust, uh, the, the dust is the ground. It's this world. Shake yourself off from the dust of this world. The things that you're caught up in that relate to this world. Listen, there is nothing in this world more powerful than what the Lord has given us, right? Would you give your retirement up right now for the Lord Jesus Christ? You'd have, you'd have no, no income to be sure of. When I left the school system, I thought I was free. And you know what I realized? I was in bondage to that retirement system. I was in bondage to, they're giving me a paycheck every week. I was in bondage to, I can go and and know that I'm going to have a job Monday morning. It's nice to just be free. It's nice to just be free from the bondage of, of any kind of thing that would hinder me from going wherever God wanted me to go and doing whatever God wants me to do. Now, he says, shake yourself from the dust. Who was the first person that traveled in the dust in the Bible? The snake. The serpent. That's where he is. He's down in the dust of this world. And do you remember when uh, uh, the Lord sent the disciples out and he said, if they reject your message, what do you do? It represents this world. Listen, they're thinking their way. And that was symbolic to just leave it there. We're always supposed to get away from the dust. So shake thyself from the dust. Here's the question tonight. What dust are you sitting in or settling for on the ground where you are not at the table of God getting and and gleaning everything you could glean to be ready to diligently go wherever he called you to go.
What dust do you need to shake off in your life? What chains, according to this, what chains have you allowed to be put back on? And and they're binding you. Some of you are young people in here. Listen, I get it. There's a lot of pull in this world to do the things that the other younger people do in this world. You don't have to. It's sad. We've got a youth ministry that is actually pretty thriving at Greentown already. About 40 junior and senior high students. But but I'm looking at them, and and they struggle so much in this world. And yet there's a a few of them, they're free. They're not bound. They don't care what anybody thinks about their love for Jesus and their desire to serve him in this world. And I'm telling you, they're alone. But they're as free as a bird. They, they, you can just tell. But, but you know what else they are? They're frustrated. Because they look around at the other teens and they think, why are you still bound? And oh man, I want them all to be free. I want them all to serve the Lord. But that's, that's a personal journey. And that's what we're talking about tonight. So, so the message here in Isaiah 52 is shake thyself, arise, sit down where you should be, put on thy strength, put on thy beautiful garments. It applies to us. And I'm going to close with this. In growing to go, my mind just goes to Acts chapter 13 and this, this thought of diligently being ready to plant local churches. In Acts 13, uh, God said to the church there, you know this. Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to do, correct? Separate them for the work that I've called them to do. I had that call in my life too. Do you want to stay or do you want to go? It was a tough question. It was almost God saying, separate unto me Jay Boffman for the work that I've called him to do. Are you, are you, if God would call you to do something like that, let me ask you, here's a serious question tonight. Could he? Could he call you to go wherever and do whatever? Would he call you to go wherever and do wherever? What does that mean? And these are the questions to consider. Is your house in order? Are your finances in order? Is your marriage in order? Is your biblical journey in understanding, is it progressing? Are you growing so that you can go? I started with a picture of my family. And listen, I love Emily and Jared, but I'm telling you, our whole journey with them has been teaching them so that in just a few short years, they're ready to go. I don't want them to stay in our house forever. I stayed in my mom's house till I was 27 years old. Too long. Too long. By the end, it just wasn't, it wasn't right to be there anymore. But what I did was save money to go out and buy a house. But I want my kids to be so ready to go, they can go and do what, whatever, wherever, whenever. Why? Because they're ready. Harrisonville, man, I hope. It's been a, you've, a couple years since you planted a church. Monmouth. I challenge them at the very end. That's what you're designed and built to do. You're not designed and built just to come and have church. We're designed and built to strengthen each other and then diligently go. I'm excited. I've got the bug. I hope you can tell. But God is blessing us in Greentown, and I pray that God continues to bless you.
God made Israel to be the light of the world. God made us to be the light of the world. And uh, what a challenge tonight. Put on thy strength. Put on thy beautiful garments. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, this mission is great. The world is great. 